And uh, we're going to start this new year just by going into the Psalms and want us to have a look at Psalm 29. Um, so if you've got a Bible, you can turn there to Psalm 29 or on your phone. Um, I don't have any slides coming up um, this morning. And um, just one disclaimer, I am wearing shorts. And as Nigel pointed out to me before, that it is summertime, and I'm wearing them in hope that the rest of January will be summit, sunny. So I'm wearing Faith in Shorts. It's the one Sunday I get away with wearing shorts and jandals. Havianas, to be particular, to be correct. But um, anyway, let's read from the Bible. Psalm 29. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The glory of the God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon leap like a calf, Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forest bare. And in his temple, all cry, glory. Verse 10, 11, the Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Amen. Amen. What a great psalm that is to start the year. 18 times this verse says, the Lord is praised. And as we begin 2024, um, I had it in my heart as we enter this year, not to start the year with fear, not to start the year with worry, not to start the year thinking what on earth is going to happen. You know, it's so easy to assimilate into that because we live in a culture that's wrecked with fear and anxiety and things that are happening. So I don't want to start the year, I don't know about you, I don't want to start the year with that in the front of my mind. I don't want us as a church to start the year longing for things that are good but not of God. How often do we get distracted with things that look good but they're actually not God things. I don't want to start the year anxious or stressed out or already over it, but I want to start the year praising God. I want to start this year the way I want it to go on, and the way I want it to go on is praising God, ascribing to the Lord His glory. So instead of starting the year stressed out, worry, anxious, or wanting things that are not of God, let's start the year praising God. Amen? I think that's a great way to start the year, is to give Him Praise. So there's three things in this in this psalm we're going to pick up on. The first one is really clear is worship. Worship. Worship the Lord. And we did that this morning with song. We worship God and and worship and praise and music has an amazing way to bring you into the presence of God. You know, imagine if you took out worship from the church, or you took out worship from the scriptures, you took out all of the psalms, you'd be left with a lot of law. You'd be left with a lot of letters from Paul about what to do and what not to do, and although that stuff's all really good. But you'd be missing this whole chunk of our experience of Christianity, which is praise and worship to God. You'd be missing this huge facet. Now, as a musician, 
that gets me pretty upset. If that wasn't in there, if there was no worship, if there was no songs, um, you know, I don't know what I would do. I would, um, I'd be lost because, you know, I, lo- I love worship. I love singing. And I know not, not everyone is a, a musician or a worshiper. But think about it this way. In heaven right now, right now, this moment, there is worship going on. Around the throne of God, there are angels and people worshiping God with their strength and their might. And they're not just worshiping, they're falling down around the throne, praising God. All throughout the, all throughout the Scripture, there's moments of praise and worship. David was a worshiper of God and brought in all of this music to worship God with. And even today, you know, we see music get used for all sorts of things. But worship was created by God. Music was created by God to give Him glory. And I think a key to victory this year is how we worship, what we choose to praise. Because we can easily, with our lips, start giving accolades and praise to things that are not of God. We can easily, with our tongues and with our mouths, start, uh, start the year talking about praising God, but the next day talking about worry. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever done that. We're praising God on Sunday, and then Monday morning turns around, and we we're angry about the traffic, or we're angry about something else, or we're complaining about something else. Maybe it's just me. But these things happen, and they, ju- they just slip into our mind without thinking. But I want this year, for me, for us, to be a year of worshiping God, where we redirect our mouths and our words to praising God. You know, words, are, words are powerful. The words you speak, the words, the things you say, the declarations we make with our mouths are powerful, and they have something behind them. And there's an opposition, there's an oppression to this. The devil wants to rob you of your worship. He wants to take away the worship of God onto other things. And he doesn't necessarily want you worshiping his name. He's not really, he knows that might not happen, but he can get your focus off God. If he can get your words and your worship off God and onto other things, then he's already succeeding. That's why I think the Bible is full of examples of people worshiping in prison, worshiping in battle. Praising God when, it's, when there's hardship. You know, often it's in the daylight we forget to worship God. Often when things are going great, we forget to worship and praise God. Worship is more than a song. It's a way, it's a way of our life. It's the way we wake up every day. Think about it this way. God does not change, but we do. We change. I know this because I'm getting older. The other day, I looked in the mirror, and I noticed that there's this thing called a receding hairline, as my kids lovingly pointed out. And I've noticed that as I get older, things start to change. You don't have as many hairs as you used to. There used to there's gray hair where there used to be brown hair. You used to be able to run 10 kilometers. Now you can only run five, or you just go for a jog. There's things that start to change. We change. And when we think about that with worship, I think our worship changes. I think our worship matures. You know, the Bible, when you read through the Psalms, a lot of them are praise the Lord, ascribe to the Lord. And as you get deeper and deeper, you see things that are more costly. The Psalms become more precious because it costs them to worship more. It's more costly praise. It's harder to say, God, I trust you when there's more difficult things that you've gone through and experienced. When when things haven't worked out the way you wanted, when that job didn't come to much, when there's sickness, constant sickness, when there's breakdown, it's harder to say, Lord, you are my healer. God, I trust in you. The worship becomes more costly. And I think this year, as we go through the year, 
We've got to remember our worship belongs to God, not just in the daylight, but also in the darkness, also in the sufferings, also in the hardships, because God wants our intimacy. He wants our worship. And yes, it costs us, but it's worth it. It's worth giving our worship to God. We draw close or we draw away. There's no middle ground. And I want to encourage you this year, church, as we start the year, let your worship draw you closer to God. Let your worship. Don't just come on Sundays and sing the songs. We know the routines. Be a worshiper of God. Monday, Tuesday, throughout the week, be a worshiper of God. And really practically, you know, in the car, turn on worship music. When you're e-biking to work, maybe that's a word for someone, no, put on worship music. When you're running, when you're going about your daily routine, worship God. Find ways to worship. Because I think if we don't find ways to worship, the opposite starts happening. It lessens and lessens. We have to be intentional. Let's worship God. You know, for me personally, worship has been the key thing that's drawn me back into closeness with God. It's not necessarily reading the Bible. It's not necessarily prayer or time with other believers. It's worship. When I sit down and I worship God, when I play the guitar, when I play uh, an instrument, when I start singing, I just find that something of the Spirit just starts to soften and inside. There's an inside job that God does that something else can't do. And there's a closeness that comes through worshiping God. What is that thing that brings you back to God? You know, worship can look different for different people. It doesn't have to be music. It might be serving other people. Your worship to God may be a way of serving others. That might be your way of worshiping God. Your, your worship to God may be, be being very generous with your time, with your resources, with your money. It may be that worshiping God for you is intercessory prayer. That's where you know you're close to worshiping God because you're just praying for others. You're praying and you're praying. Worship looks different for different people, but let this year be a year of worshiper. David, I mentioned already, was a worshiper, a man after God's own heart, and yet David is recorded in Scripture, sinned. He was a sinner. <laughs> David was a sinner. He sinned many times, not just once or twice. You know, we often know about David and we read about David and Bathsheba, or then his cover-up of David and Uriah. Um, but I was reading about David over the summer, over the holidays, and one commentator said that David's greatest sin was not necessarily those stories, but it was when he turned his back on his son, Absalom. Absalom came back to David in you know, humility and, and wanted to be brought back into the family fold, and David did one thing, he did nothing. He didn't accept him. He didn't turn his face towards him. He didn't greet him. He didn't bring him into the family. Uh, he didn't do the thing a father should do. And they say that that was the main, that was one of the greatest consequences from that sin, had the biggest ramifications of all in David's life. And what he did was not just sin. He, he withheld something that was so poured out into him from God. When God poured out uh, you know, sonship and ownership and love as a father to David, David then turned around and didn't do the same. And all of those things that David had done, other sins were there, but this thing had the biggest consequences. David was a worshiper, and yet he withheld the thing that God had given him the most. When we worship, it reprioritizes our hearts. It sets us back on track with God. It gets our compass pointing back to God, and it softens our inner being. And when people hurt us, the temptation is to push away and close our hearts. But think about, think about the way God deals with you and me. 
Think about the way God deals with us. He's gracious. He's patient. He's kind. He's long-suffering. God deals with you and me in a way that we cannot describe with words. And then he asks us to do the same with those around us. The devil can draw our worship off God and get us distracted. Distracted on good deeds, religion, on being better. But worship keeps us focused on God. God is the main centerpiece. He's the one we're looking at. Just on that part of worship, you know, it uses the word glory. Ascribe to the Lord glory. Glory, that word literally means heavy or weightiness. Uh, and when it's applied to God, like it is here, it's pointing, it points to his standing at the center of life. So his supreme being, his majesty, his glory, his splendor, his awesomeness, his incomparableness is at the center of our lives. It's the weightiest thing in our lives. 2024, I believe, needs to be a year of God being more at the center of our lives than ever before. You know, we were... Um, putting up tents and taking down tents over the summer holidays in the recent weeks. Now, I have since learned that actually setting up camp and taking down camp is one of the biggest causes of marriage um, disputes in the history of mankind. I think it started with Abraham when he had to set up that tent. And no wonder he delegated. Anyway, there was all these things. So we were setting up and we were taking down the tent. Now, someone, and I'm not going to name names, but someone happened to take down the center pole of our tent before we took down the outer poles of the tent. Now, if you've ever put up a tent before, there's rules. <laughs> there are rules to how you put up and you put down a tent. And when I'm in charge, I'm in charge of the rules. So you put up the tent in a certain way and you take down the tent in a certain way. Now, if you don't take it down a certain way and you're not collapsing the right poles and you, the, the poles in the middle fall and everything just falls over. And we're talking about a big, big tent here. Anyway, what happened is we took out some things and then... Uh, the center pole came out. I don't know how it came out. Someone, anyway. Someone took out the pole, and I was inside. I was inside the tent. And all I remember is this whole tent just collapsing around me and poles twisting, and I'm inside, and I was so Christian. <clears throat> I was so loving. I was so patient. <laughs> and <laughs> not. And I was just, oh, man. And I'm, like, thinking about the tent, and I'm thinking about the poles, and something's going to break, and something's going to rip. Uh, and the whole thing just collapsed, and I'm inside trying to get poles undone and throwing them out the door. Uh, and here I am. No wonder I was worshipping with all my heart this morning, Herman, just repenting <laughs> of the tent scenario. Actually, someone at the campsite said to me that I've heard of marriages having major disputes around campsite setups. So uh, anyway, not me. So this happened, and the tent fell down as we took out the centre pole. The positive side is that if God is at the center, everything stays up. God's at the center. Don't worry about everything else. God has got it. The negative side, if God isn't at the center, you're the one holding everything up. You've got to hold it up. Man, that gets tiring. You've got to, you've got to hold it up. You've got to hold it. When that tent pole fell, I was trying to catch all these poles on the side, and you just can't. You might be able to do it for a little while, but you can't do it for long. Let God be at the center. If God is at the center, everything holds up because it's by His Spirit. It's not in our strength. If that's you this morning, I just encourage you, you know, we're not here to condemn. If you're here this morning, surrender today. Let Him be at the center. Let Him hold everything up. Let go. 
Let go of trying to hold it up under your own strength. Look at the psalm. The psalm says, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. It's his strength. It's not your strength or my strength. It's his strength. It's all about him. So number two, number one is worship. Number two is the voice of God. And I love the way that the psalm reads out. I'm just going to read it through again. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The glory of God thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Verse 7, the voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The voice of the Lord, verse 9, twists the oaks and strips the forest bare. When we look at this voice of the Lord, we're not talking about a small, insignificant, unpowerful voice. We're talking about a voice that has authority, a voice that has power, a voice that can actually do something. I don't know if you remember that TV program a few years ago called The Voice. All these different contestants trying to sing something and be the voice. This is a very different voice. This is the voice of the Holy Spirit. This is the voice that spoke, let there be light, and there was light. This is the voice that says, it is finished, and it is finished. This is the voice of God. This is a powerful voice. I love these adjectives that um, the psalm uses. Thunders. You know, he thunders. If you've been in a, th- who was in a thunderstorm over the summer, or maybe that was last summer, actually. If you've been in a thunderstorm and you see the thunder, or you, sorry, you see the lightning or you hear the thunder, it's not something to be trifled with. You know, if you're, if you're out in a, in, a, in, a, in a place where you can be, uh, where, you, where you need to get undercover, you know, you don't mess around. These are real things. Uh, the voice of the Lord, like mighty waters. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit of a, I love the water. and We went swimming a lot, but I'm still a bit freaked out about powerful waves and powerful water. When I get in the ocean, I need to know that I can swim to shore safely. I'm one of those swimmers. But the power of the wave still really gets to me. Years ago, I went um, uh, surfing with a friend out at Murawai Beach on the west coast um, with a board that was way too short. (laughs) And we went surfing. He was actually a lifeguard, so I thought I was in good hands. Uh, And we went surfing. And long story short, basically, we got out into the surf. I got caught in a rip. And I just started getting pummeled wave after wave after wave. And before I knew it, I was just in a, in a tumble. And, uh, and I, I literally thought, this is it, I'm gone. Uh, and out of nowhere, a, a surfer came and he, and, he, and he saw me in trouble and he rescued me and got me out of the waters. Uh, and I held on to the back of his surfboard and we got out of there. And if I'm, if I'm honest, ever since then, I've always had in the back of my mind, man, don't mess with the waves. Don't mess with the waves. But I love how the psalm brings, us, uh, brings out this thought that the mighty waters, these things are real. They have this power. You know, in Palestine, um, a storm in the natural forms first over the water. It starts forming out in the sea. Then it moves over the mountain ranges, and then it moves into the desert. It has a path in the natural. It flows from there to there. And I think that's a reminder that the storms in life are not permanent. The storms in life are not permanent. God is permanent. He's the thing that remains. He's the constant. Storms will come and go. Jesus said, in this life you'll have trouble. But God is the thing that is always there, his voice, his reassurance. You know, nature is a way of just reminding us of who is actually in 
control. So when you're in a storm in this life, whose voice are you listening to? I want to encourage you at the start of a new year to just have a, a re, reassessment of the voices you're letting into your life. Because at the start of a year, it's a good way to just check whose voices am I actually listening to? What voices am I allowing in? There's a lot of voices, amen, in our world today. So many different things that are trying to grab our ears and our attention. It's a good time at the start of the year to start new habits. I want to encourage you that the primary voice in your life, if you're a believer, should start with this, the voice of God, reading the Word of God. If you're a Christian here today, young or old, new, or been a Christian for many years, let this be the primary source of your voice of God in your life. The Word of God is dependable. The Word of God is trustworthy. This Word will never fail you or not let you down. Start a good habit this year of reading the Word of God daily, I would encourage you as well. You know, remember Peter, when he saw the waves, he started to sink. Or Lot's wife, she looked back at the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah and turned to a pillar of salt. It's easy to take our eyes off things and get distracted. But keeping our ears and our eyes on God. You know, if you think about all the voices that are trying to grab our attention, most of them, pretty much all of them, have nothing to say. <laughs> like, have you noticed that? That when you listen to something or you hear something, a lot of the times it's actually got really nothing to add to your life. I mean, it might be a tiny bit of information here or there, but a lot of it is actually just a whole lot of hot air and nothing that's really going to add value to your life. It's a whole lot of sort of false wisdom, if you like, false wisdom of God. And uh, I was reading about the psalm, and one of the commentaries read on it, he said, you know, compared to the wisdom of God is the wisdom of the world. And when it talks about these cedars of Lebanon, uh, it says the cedars of Lebanon is at times praised by Scripture as a stable tree, free from decay, fragrant, and adequate for supplying shelter. But at other times, it is attacked as an unfruitful and hard-to-bend tree. The Lord is said to break those vainly puffed up and magnifying themselves in the things of this world that are considered exalting, Wealth, glory, power, beauty of the body, influence or strength. Those leaning on the perishable things of the world are cedars indeed through their false glory and vanity. And when I read that, I thought, man, so these cedars of Lebanon, you know, at times they can look brilliant. They can have strength. They can be useful. And at other times when they become too dependent upon, God starts to deal with them and starts to remove them. It's a little bit like idols, they become too dependent upon. And I think that's true. You know, if you've been a Christian a long time, there can become things in our lives which have become too dependent upon. And we need, to, we need to freshen things up at the start of the year. You know, they're not necessarily bad things. God may have given them, but they're things that start to get us in a rut. And things become a little bit old and tired. And God says, come on, I'm a God that does new things. I'm a God that breathes life and brings newness and wholeness. Seek me out at the start of the year. You know, for some of us, it might just be changing up the way we seek God in the morning. It might, be, it might be just starting with 10 minutes of praying in tongues this year. It might be a time of actually going uh, and just, you know, just spending time. If you've been reading through one part of the Bible, just spending another part of the Bible, just getting into another part of Scripture, changing things up and allowing God to speak to you in a new way. 
breaks the cedars of Lebanon. You know, these trees, these cedars, they were giant trees. Uh, they were about 36 meters tall, uh, which is really tall, and about 10 meters in circumference. So you might compare them in New Zealand to a huge kauri tree. They were, they were massive. They were huge. They're not small uh, trees. And when it talks about these cedars, God says his voice splits them in half. You know, in New Zealand, there's often a way that we talk about these giant, giant trees in there, and um, they can often be exalted in their own way. But God's voice splitting the tree just like that shows us that God is the one with real power. He is the one with the real power. He is the one that can actually break through things where there seems to be no way through, where there seems to be this impenetrable, huge object that we cannot get through and that seems to be blocking. God, in one moment with his voice, splits it in half. And I think that's a reminder for us today that God does the impossible things when it seems not possible. Whatever situation you may be facing today, God does the impossible things because he's a God of the miraculous. He's a God of the Holy Spirit. He's a God that does things when there seems to be no other way. He splits things in half and he makes a way through. He's done that all throughout the pages of Scripture. The Red Sea, he split it in half and he made a way through for his promised people. It's a reminder for you and me today as well that if there's a situation that seems impossible, maybe it's a relationship need that you're in, maybe it's a financial hole that you just seem seems just overwhelming, impossible to overcome, maybe it's a decision of things in the past that seems impossible to escape from the consequences of, let me remind you today, God does a new thing and he does the impossible. God breaks things so that we can go through. He's a God whose voice we want to listen to. So I want to encourage you this today, church. Listen to the voice of God in this year. Hear his voice. Tune into him and remember that he can split things open. He can make a way where there seems to be no way. And thirdly, the Lord is king. He gives. He blesses. Jesus is our King. And I love how this psalm ends. You know, it talks about the voice of God, giving God glory, and then it ends with these two verses. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. What an awesome promise we have from God. Those things that God does. And uh, I just want to quickly look at those, those last little verses. And the first one is God sits. God sits. What an interesting um, picture of God sitting, like God coming in and just taking a seat and sitting down. You know, I don't know what your picture of, of God is at the start of the year. Maybe God, for some of us at the beginning of a year, could be like a, um, a hard taskmaster that's got a big list of things you need to achieve to be a better Christian at the start of the year, saying, come on, you need to tick all these things off. Maybe your picture of God uh, is of one of, you know, just supplying all your needs, you know, like a, like a wish list of things that you'd like from God. But I love how Scripture defines God, not us. We're not the ones that define Him. God defines Himself. And here He is talking about Him, and it says that God sits. God sits. Think about the world at the moment and the chaos and the things that are happening in our world. And what is God doing? God sits enthroned. He's not panicked. <laughs> God is not worried while the world worries. God is in control. I don't know about you, but that's a refreshing thought to me 
that God is not in a panic. God is not pulling out his hair. God is not thinking, what do I need to do? The new iPhone has come out. I need a new version of the world. You know, I need an update or a refresh. No, God is not panicked about things. He has a plan. And I love that. I love that God sits down. You know, there's a moment in um, David's life where he's, where he's confronted with the sins that he's done. You know, Nathan the prophet, if you know the stories, Nathan the prophet comes in and confronts David. And he says, David, you've done all these things. You know, and he says, you know, all these things have happened and you're the man, David. You're the one that has sinned. And David was the king of Israel. He was the king. He could have, he could have done a whole lot of things. He could have arrested the prophet. He could have made a whole lot of more things worse. What David does is he goes in and he sits before the Lord. He's the king of the whole area, and he goes in and he submits to a higher power. He submits to God. And I love this picture of God. God is the king over the world, and he sits enthroned. He's not running about in a panic. He's there for us, sitting. I think this reminds us that this is a place and a good time of the year to come and fresh surrender to God. If God is sitting, what's our posture? Is our posture frantic? Is our posture one of running around, not knowing what's happening? You know, um, while we were at the campsite, we went over to, um, there's, a, there's a cafe over the road from where we were staying at the campsite. And uh, we went over for one of the kids, had a birthday. Uh, and so we all went over to get some gelato for um, summer. So we went over and it had turned out when we got there that the um, freezer that keeps all the ice cream cold had broken down the night before. And so all the gelato had been moved over to this other uh, other freezer to be looked after. But they were in a bit of a panic because they got in the middle of the night and half the ice cream had melted and half of it wasn't. And so they were moving all of this ice cream over to uh, another freezer. And so things were a rush. They were, they were trying to sort things out. They called up a mechanic to get the freezer sorted. Uh, and finally, in a few days, it was all sorted. All of that to say they were in a mad rush trying to figure out how to get things fixed. But also, just to talk about gelato. Gelato is great. Who's had an ice cream this summer? Yeah, man, I encourage you over the summer, make sure you get... Well, actually, what happened was the ice cream got moved into a freezer that was by our campsite. And so we went and asked them because we couldn't get ice cream from the shop. We said, oh, can we just buy a tub? And so they gave us a tub of gelato like this big for cost price on the campsite. So we took back this whole tub of passion fruit. And for the next three days, the next three days, my diet was just amazing. And we had this great time of eating as much passion fruit gelato as we wanted. Uh, It was a good memory. Anyway, they were in a rush trying to sort things out at the cafe. God sits enthroned. God sits enthroned. He's not rushing. He's not running. He's not stressed. He sits enthroned because he's a God that's in control. That's the God you serve. That's the God I serve. A God that is in control. The gods of this age are not in control. The gods of this age are frantic for control. The gods of this age will fail you over and over again. But the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus is king, and he is not panicked. He is not stressed. He is in control. So you can surrender to him knowing that he's got your back, knowing that he will do good by you, knowing that whatever storms you face, whatever comes your way, God will see you through it.
One little last thing about the psalm. You know, the psalm moves from heaven, ascribed to the Lord the glory, moves from heaven to earth. Thunderstorms and frightening fury over the sea, across the mountains, into the desert. And then the psalm ends with the people of God having strength and peace. This whole psalm is a story of Jesus who came from heaven. He came down to earth. He came and he walked among us and he gave us what? Peace. He gave us his gospel of peace. He gave us strength through the Holy Spirit. This whole psalm glorifies the very story in the life of Jesus Christ who came from heaven. He came to give us hope. He came to give us strength. He came to give each one of us peace for today. This is Jesus who came from heaven to earth. He split the temple curtain in two and gave us access to the Father. That is the God we serve. The psalm is full of reflections and images of Jesus Christ, who came as our strength and our power. You know, all throughout history, God has revealed his power through mighty miracles over nature. Think about the flood. Think about the parting of the Red Sea or the sun standing still. He promises to continue to reveal his power every day. That power is available to you and me. Let me just read out a part of Ephesians from Ephesians 1. Um, You can turn there if you want. Actually, it's a few verses. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18, where it reads, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Amen. His imparable great power for us who believe. What is the area in life that you're facing that requires God's power? You know, if you're not facing an area that requires God's power, there's a chance that you may be doing this Christian life too much in your own strength. And that's not to condemn anyone. I'm saying this because I've done that many times. Tried to walk in something in my own strength and not realize that God is the one that wants to give me his power. God is the one that wants to be the story. God is the one that wants to be at the center. God is the one to be glorified. If we can do it in our strength and we don't need God, it's possible that that's not of God. We need his strength. Apart from him, we can do nothing. So where do we need to sit under the power of God? If God is content to sit enthroned, we need to be okay to come and sit under the authority of God and lay things at his feet. I think there's no better posture than coming and sitting and kneeling under God's authority and power in our lives. One more scripture from Isaiah 46 says, verse 3, Listen to me, O house of Jacob, all the remnant of Israel who have been born to me, uh, born by me from birth, from before your birth, carried from the womb. Even to your old age I am he, and to gray hairs I will carry you. I think that might be a word for someone this morning. I will carry you. Stop trying to carry everything in the natural. God wants to carry you. I have made you, verse 4, and I will bear 
I will carry and I will save. God is the one that does the saving. God is the one that does the heavy lifting. We just need to come and sit under his authority, sit under his command. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to help us with our daily problems even now, even today, even this new year. So when you feel weak and limited, don't despair. Remember that God can give you strength. The power that controls creation and raises the dead is available for you and me today. Amen? Amen. Let's stand this morning, church, and let's worship. I believe we should start this year with worship and, you know, out of that message, ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. So as the worship team comes out, I just want to encourage you this morning, let 2024 be a year of worshiping the Lord. Let that be the thing that comes off your lips. Praise for God. Remember, God does not change, but we do. So let our worship draw us closer. Maybe your worship is costing you more these days. But don't lose that closeness with God. And secondly, you know, the voice of God. His voice is powerful. If it can split the cedar in half and break things in, po- in half, He can do the impossible things for you. Wherever things seem too hard, too difficult, too impossible, rest in the fact that God does the impossible. And lastly, remember, God is king and he sits enthroned. Nothing throws him off. Nothing gets him panicked. That's the God you serve. We can come to him in fresh surrender this morning. So let's worship the Lord.